All right, so we're moving on to chapter seven. So we've done chapter five, chapter six, and now we're going to do chapter seven. Um, yeah, I'm going to cast this presentation. Can we pull up the Chromecast? Let me see if I can share the TV. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, so we are moving on to uh, chapter seven. All right. And we are going to move on to um, the first couple of verses in the chapter. Um, but before we do that, we're just going to do a quick, quick overview, review again of everything that we've kind of covered in, in Sermon on the Mount. Again, this is um, constitution of the kingdom. This is Jesus' primary message to his followers. This is um, the way that he wants us to walk as disciples. Um, and, you know, I, I actually thought it was really funny last week when my sister pulled up or, um, the, or when my sister had the slides up on, on hers. Uh, they had all these flowers and things like that, and they were very well organized and beautiful. And I was looking at them, and I was like, oh, interesting. I should do that, too. But then I looked at how much work it takes, and I was like, no, nah, it's definitely not good. I just, it's okay. I'm, I'm happy with my black and white. And, and I want to thank Daniel for affirming in me that uh, Daniel said, I, I like the black and white. It's nice and simple. And so, you know, it just goes to show the different aesthetic appeals of praise God for giving us different, uh, you know, I, I think guys look at things a little differently than the girls look at them, so... I apologize to our sisters in the crowd who are not uh, not, not vibing with the, uh, the, the the presentation style. But to the guys out there, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> All right. So, again, the Beatitudes. We covered the Beatitudes. These are the eight pillars. These are the blessed are you or happy are you if you do these things. All right. If you do these things in pursuing Jesus. We went through all of those. And especially, I want to remind us today as we're jumping into um, at the beginning of chapter 7, I want to remind us um, about being uh, merciful, all right? So the merciful will receive mercy. So um, four negative, four positive. I probably should have just stolen your slides, Jack, because they're the same things except, except more beautiful. Um, radical righteousness. So, so Jesus calls us to pursue those eight pillars, um, and because those eight pillars are things that we have to do from the heart, not just in action, but in, in heart. And God wants our heart, all right? And, uh, and that's why he says the radical righteousness that he's calling us to is actually righteousness that is higher than the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were kind of the, the, the religious standard of the day. And it was higher not because we needed to do more things. And in fact, we would not be able to attain those things that the Pharisees were doing because they were doing, you know, they're above and beyond. All right? They have all the rules. You guys ever read? I, sometimes I think when we read through the Old Testament, and we read all those different rules, and sometimes you have trouble going through all those, like, you know, uh, all this, the, the, the Torah law and the old things. And you're like, man, why am I reading this? Maybe that's the point, because you're like, why can't, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do all these things, you know, like not wear flax or things, like, or not plant at this time. Or like, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So they, their level of action, physical righteousness, is way higher than we could attain, but their level of heart righteousness was low. All right, so that's where we have to assess our hearts. Then Jesus went on to talk about the different ways that we can live a fasted lifestyle, all right? Denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following, following after him in these five different areas. All right, so that's kind of just a brief overview of where we were in, in chapter 5 and 6. Now we're jumping to chapter 7. And in chapter 7, there's this important beginning to this chapter is when Jesus is talking to his disciples um, about judgment, about judging others, all right? And in the context of chapter 5 and 6, where he's calling us to do the Beatitudes, calling us to live in a righteous manner from the heart, in a, in a fashion that is deeper 
and higher than even that of the Pharisees, he warns us as his disciples not to fall into a pitfall. And that pitfall would be of judgment, all right? And judgment in two different areas, judging others who are maybe not in our, in our minds or in what we can see from the outside, pursuing those the fasted lifestyle as, as much as maybe you've decided to pursue it, or, or maybe they're not um, pursuing as hard how do, we, how do we approach that? And it's easy when we decide, oh, man, I'm going to go hard after the, the Beatrice. I want to live Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. The pitfall can be I'm going to judge or criticize or condemn those who maybe are not. All right. And so Jesus wants to warn us about that. All right. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, and that's going to be the passage that we're, we're going to be looking at today. So flip to your Bibles if you got them. Um, this is out of the ESV. And Jesus tells his disciples in chapter 7, starting verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. All right. Um, so that first part, judge not that you be not judged. All right. So when we seek to walk out the kingdom lifestyles of the, the Sermon on the Mount, we have to avoid that pitfall of spiritual judgment. Okay. So judging others who pursue God with less intensity or judging others who are against the Sermon on the Mount. But it can also be swinging the pendulum too far the other way. All right. And the other way is sometimes this passage is very much misinterpreted judge not, swinging the pendulum the other way is saying, oh, I don't judge at all. I'm going to be non-judgmental. Right? And that's, I think, where we actually find ourselves very often in, in today's society. It's a very misinterpreted passage. Um, so really, you know, what Jesus is talking about here is that his disciples, us, should not do God's job of passing judgment on his behalf when he's not authorized to do so. All right? um, because really, only God knows all the facts. And again, back to this, this situation of the Pharisees, only God knows the heart. If you looked at externally at the Pharisees, you'd say, oh, man, they're doing really well. But only God can truly see what's in their hearts. All right. Um, and it, but then, you know, again, this passage, you guys have, I'm, I'm sure, heard it before, and it's, it's quite often misinterpreted and very popularly quoted, especially quoted to us from people that aren't even Christians, right? Like, don't judge, you know. It doesn't the Bible say don't judge? And then oftentimes as a Christian, I remember, you know, in high school as a young Christian being like, oh, yeah, I guess I should. All right, I'm just going to, you know, back off of whatever we were talking about. Um, I mean, very oftentimes it's, it's, it's misunderstood. You know, there was a, um, a, uh, a poll that was taken. So what do you guys think is the most quoted Bible verse in, uh, just in, in, the, in the world? Like the, if you went out to somebody, a stranger on the street, like what Bible verses do you know? What, what, what's in the Bible? What would be the first one that they throw out? John 3.16. All right, John 3.16. So everybody out there on the streets knows John 3.16 from football games, from, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, from, like, any, you know. So all these different things. They know that verse. The second one that people on the streets, when they did this poll, oh, oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? So that's, that's John 3.16. But the second one that people knew the most is don't judge, all right. They probably wouldn't have known, you know, exactly where it came from. But people on the street are like, oh, yeah, like Jesus says, don't judge. Right. So people know this verse, even if they may not be believers in Jesus. 
Um, in an interview, one, uh, one theologian, Bruce Ware, um, said, while John 3.16 was once the most well-known Bible verse in America, now that honor goes instead to Matthew 7.1. Do not judge, lest you be judged. Mm -hmm. But it is popularly misunderstood. Those who mishandle this verse often use it as a shield for sin, a barrier to keep others at bay, allowing them to justify living as they please without any regard for moral boundaries or accountability. Their objections sound something like this. Aren't we all sinners? What gives us the right to make a moral judgment about someone else? Isn't it God's job to, to judge? Um, and so that's so true. I think and especially if, if those of you who you know, um, have been Christians for a while, you know, if you talk to people who are not Christians, you know, that's going to be something that, that, you, that ends up being said to you at some point, you know, when, especially when you're talking about things of um, ethical things, moral things or even things of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? So we're, we're pursuing this hunger for righteousness, and people are going to be like, why are you doing that? You know, why do you have this hunger for righteousness or, or, or meekness? Like, why are you doing that, you know? Um, because the, by pursuing these hard things, pursuing this, this fasted lifestyle, that very action, even if you're not saying it, people in the world will be offended because it makes you, them feel like, oh, I, I'm being condemned because they're not participating in these things in, the, that in my life that are important, whether that's you know, partying, drinking, drugs, whatever that might be, or the ways of the world, if you're not living in it, those people are, people are going to feel condemned. All right? They're going to feel offended. And so this is, um, this is what Jesus is kind of uh, helping to prepare us as his disciples when we're pursuing those things. He's like, watch out, because there's these pitfalls. Even though Sermon on the Mount, this is what I'm calling you to, and it's a beautiful thing, there are pitfalls that you can fall into. The pitfalls of the Pharisees, all right, where they're judging but not having the heart, or the pitfalls of the other way of the world, which is saying, don't judge at all. all right? So there's a, there's a difficult balance to, to strike in between. But as Christians, we certainly, Jesus is not telling us that we shouldn't make uh, moral judgments. It's very clear throughout Jesus' ministry. And in fact, the very context of what Jesus is talking about, Sermon on the Mount, he is judging. He's judging the Pharisees very, very, very clearly, very harshly as hypocrites. Um, and he's called his disciples to identify those sins, especially those heart sins, in people. In fact, it's our obligation. It's, 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 it's love to do so. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more later on. All right. So scripture is very clear about the responsibility of us as believers to bring sin to light. All right. We're the light of the world. You know, light of the world. Salt of the earth. And we are to bring truth, and to, but to speak it in love. You know, very oftentimes when you hear people say, ah, oh, don't judge, you know, those people are actually uh, somewhat very judgmental, too. You, they're the ones who might look at the Bible and say, uh, that, that's wrong. You know, they would judge the Bible. All right? and so, uh, so really, you can't get through life without making a judgment, because even the idea of saying, don't judge, is a judgment. Like, you're judgmental because you're judging. It's almost this catch-22 of, like, you have to judge to, in order to say that. We all have to make judgment decisions. What Jesus is calling his disciples to do is to do it in a right manner. So we're going to dive a little bit more into that. All right. So again, um, you know, the, the hypocrisy is the issue. And Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for their hypocrisy when they, when they judge. Um, they make these high man-made standards that they had, but they didn't see the heart. All right. So we get, again, I always, hammer, I always want to hammer this for Sermon on the Mount. We have to go back to the heart. What is the heart? All right. What is the heart? Let's look at Romans chapter 14. All right. And Paul kind of echoes Sermon on the Mount in chapter 14 of Romans when he's writing to the Romans here. He says, chapter 14, starting verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. 
It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I love how Paul phrases this here as an echo exactly of the Sermon on the Mount, um, which Paul must have heard from somebody else. Paul wasn't there, right? Paul wasn't there and Jesus' messages, but the Sermon on the Mount was so central to the early church believers that he must have heard this, this very message coming from either one of the disciples or the very followers of Jesus that, um, that he was around. But the same echo, why judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? With contempt. That's that heart. That's that heart issue. That's the approach of judgment that Jesus is calling us to watch out for. All right. So we, we're, we're called to judge, but when we judge, oftentimes we judge with contempt. And you see that so often in... in um, the way that, and that's the way that very often people view um, the church of Christians when we judge. You know, you see people holding signs and, you know, God hates this or that or God hates, you know. The, and while anything you say might be true, if you don't say it with love, you're wrong, right? Like I could, like somebody, I think I've used the example before, but somebody can come up to me and tell me, hey, man, like you need to, you know, exercise a little bit more and be healthy. Uh, not somebody, my mom tells me that all the time, right? My mom says that to me all the time, like, hey. Don't eat that. <laughs> it's just sugar, you know. Like, don't eat that. Exercise more. Like, you know, you, you need to lose some weight. She says it from love, though. Her heart is from love, all right? Her heart is, is, is loving in doing that, all right? Um, versus, like, RJ might come up to me and be like, yo, man, you're fat. <laughs> you know, and maybe his heart might not be from love. While the same message is being applied, hey, you should, you should be healthier, right? RJ looked at our dogs this this past week and uh, you know examined him. And as a veterinarian, like he's got to make an objective opinion, right, about what this like this dog's health, right? And so maybe like Shalom needs to lose some weight. Maybe maybe Bear definitely needs to lose some weight, <laughs> right? So it's a fact. It's like a tr <laughs> Emily just got really offended. <laughs> and so it's true. But the, while the while the message might be true, if the heart is not love. Then it then it's wrong, right? So it's out of out of love that we give that 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 judgment, make that judgment call. If we're doing it out of love, that's that heart, that's that heart place that we're being called to do from, not with contempt, right? Not with contempt, and not from a position of saying I've I've arrived, I've achieved, I am better. All right, we're doing it from a, a place of humility and meekness, all right, or meeking, as my sister likes to say. Is that the is that is that a what, what is the word for an action? Adjective, verb, no, verb, verb. It's the verb, the verb of meek. All right. <laughs> All right. So because, and especially also in the center here, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before. And we can, we can take confidence in that too so that we don't feel like we have this responsibility to identify every sin and everybody else when we know, and we can overlook offense against ourselves because we know God sees everything. God sees everything. And even if we miss this, this judgment or somebody else did something and we're like really offended, we want to call them out on it, we should also take a pause and say, ah, is this something that I know all the details about? You know, do I know their heart? And if we don't, you know, be, be very hesitant about picking the, uh, the, the positions and types and times to make those judgments when we have the confidence to know that God knows all things and he's going to bring it, you know, he's going to bring it to light. All right. Um, Another passage that echoes Sermon on the Mount is James. You know, we've just finished reading James. Uh, about the past month, uh, we were studying James in, in our Bible study. And James is, is almost a commentary on Sermon on the Mount. And in James, he also echoes this same 
idea. So James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, James writes, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them, speaks, judges them and speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? That, that same idea, having confidence that God, God knows all things, putting it in his hands, knowing that God sees every sin, that he knows the heart way better than we can and we ever will. And so always keeping that humility in mind when we're making judgments is, do I know the whole heart? And also, where is my own heart in, in making these judgments? So we're not judging the right or wrong, but judgment and comparison and condemnation is what, we're God, what Jesus is trying to get us to avoid or watch out for. That's the pitfall that he's warning us. Because again, only God knows the truth of the heart. So again, Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't make any moral judgments. In fact, we're obligated to. We should. That's love. If we truly loved our, our, our brother and sister, because my mom loves me, she's like, she, I, she wants me to be healthy. Because we love these dogs, we want them to be healthy. Emily loves Bear. Bear she wants Bear to be healthy and happy. So she's going to receive that, that, that judgment from the veterinarian to say, okay, maybe Bear needs to go on a little bit of diet because it's out of love. And in fact, going back to the Beatitudes, we ought to be grieved about our own sin and grieved about other sin. We ought to mourn. That's that blessed are those who, are mo who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We should help each other in our struggles with sin. All right? So the judgment is not a, is not a, it's not a game to win. Like, oh, I found so many more errors in Ian. I know that he's got X, Y, and Z problems. Good. I'm winning because I've only got one. He's got five. I'm winning. All right, and I'm going to call those out so that we can keep score and, and I'm better. All right, so that's the, one, that's the approach of the heart that is not from love. But I should still mourn for the sin in my own life, and I should mourn for any sin in, in Ian's life. And that mourning would not allow me to, to ignore sin in somebody else's life, right, if I truly love them, if I truly love them. All right. So that's like, your, that's like you know, you, you, I remember in college, you, you, have people, you, know a lot of, you get to know a lot of people in college, but they may not be your close friends, right? Maybe they're just like somebody that you kind of know on their periphery, right? Somebody that you know on their periphery, you're not going to tell them what's wrong with them, right? You're not going to tell them like, hey, like, you know, like if it's somebody I like barely knew in passing came up to me, was like, hey, man, you need to lose some weight. I'd be like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> what the heck? But if somebody who was like my closest friend was like, hey, you got to you got to like stop eating all those like uh, all that ice cream. I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right, man. Because I know where their heart is, right? I know where their heart is. And the same thing in the spiritual family for brothers and sisters, all right, for brothers and sisters around us. Uh, in James chapter 5, he calls us, my brothers, if one of you wanders from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. All right, that's that love that covers a multitude of sins. That's love. So we should. We are called to call out sin in our brothers and sisters' lives. But Jesus wants to warn us from doing that in a place that harms us and harms them. So judging from love, and remember, what is love? What is the, the, how do we identify, how do we know when we're judging in love? Well, Paul gives us very clear guidelines of what is love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's gentle. It's self-controlled. It's not wild and out of control. So anytime that we're, we're, we're judging, we have to check ourselves and say, am I doing this out of a place that is loving? Am I doing it in a way that's patient and kind, not boastful, but gentle, all right? Not harsh, prideful, or hypocritical.
moving on and again back to to chapter um, seven in, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, I want to identify you know the t- verses two. He, Jesus gives that first verse you know judge not that you be not judged. Then he also gives a very good uh, parable about it or, or an example. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The, one of the key points is here is that he isn't saying judge not and don't take the speck out of your brother's eye, right? He is saying still take the speck out of your brother's eye. But in order to be able to do that, in order to be able to safely do that, uh, you know, it, RJ was doing surgeries, you know, his surgery rotations the past couple months. If you can't see, RJ, can you take something small out of like a, out of the dog's eye? No. I mean, even I like, Simha gets these eye boogers like every single day. I have to like get them out, but she's always struggling and stuff. If I can't like hold her still and see clearly, I can't like pull, pull them out, like these little things. So in order to be able to do that, we have to see clearly, all right? We have to be able to see clearly of our own and judge ourselves in order to come from a place of a pure heart in, in calling out sin in our brothers and sisters. Right. In addition, the measure that we use will be measured out to us. So in verse 2, when we, when we pronounce judgment from a place that is harsh and not merciful, that's the way that God is going to treat us too. So the person who judges others critically will experience a similar sort of criticism or similar high standard when we are judged, we set the standard by which God judges um, the way that he judges us. All right, so if we, for, if that's a, the kingdom principle. We saw it earlier when we talked about forgiveness, right? Unforgiveness is unforgivable. If we forgive, we receive forgiveness. If we judge, we receive that same measure is what Jesus says here. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. That's that golden, remember when you're a kid and, and they tell you that golden rule, right? Treat others as you, as you want to be treated. But that partly comes from Sermon on the Mount. Love God and love others as you would be loved. God will love, measure to us the same measure that we give to others. We looked at that parable um, a couple weeks back when we were talking about forgiveness, and that was that unforgiving servant. And he had been forgiven those you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars, but he couldn't forgive his brother who only owed him a couple thousand because he could not see how much he had been forgiven. That's that plank. That's that plank in your eye versus seeing that speck, which was just a couple thousand in his brother's eye. That other guy owed him some money. It was true. But the vast amount that he had been forgiven, he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. So that's where we have to check our hearts in judgment. um, And we have to dole out love in the same way that we want to receive mercy and love. Um, So uh, a proper attitude is important in judging oneself and in judging others. Overly critical critics are not helpful or loving. And Jesus, that's what he's warning us against here. In Luke, um, Jesus gives another perfect example of this. All right? And again, he goes back to the Pharisees. And again, he's, he's judging the Pharisees. And have you guys ever thought about this? He's judging the Pharisees because he loves them. He loves them. He loves them. In the same sort of way, like, that's, who, that's who, how we should be loving towards those that, that, um, that we think are maybe not doing it right. All right? Um, so Luke 18, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, and again, that's how we should think about ourselves judging in a wrong manner. You know, confident in our own, own righteousness, looking down on everyone else. That's the wrong way to do it. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, 
robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. All right. I, I am so struck and, and, and challenged and humbled by this passage. I hope we all are. Because looking at this Pharisee, his, his righteousness that he stands before God is actually the fasted lifestyle. He's doing the fasted lifestyle. He fasts a couple times. Uh, he fasts twice a week, and he gives a tenth of all he has. He's actually doing some of those things that Jesus calls our, his followers to do in the Sermon on the Mount. Those are things that are good things that we want to pursue. But his heart, again, right? It's looking at his heart. He's doing it confident in his own righteousness and looking down on that other brother, all right? But God is pleased by the tax collector. The tax collector is walking in the beatitude of mourning and poverty of spirit. He says, I, look at me, I am a sinner. That's poverty of spirit. That's poverty of spirit, all right? And he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that man went home justified before the Lord. And again, it goes back to the heart. It goes back to the heart. So again, Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, Jesus is warning us of this very pitfall. Even if walking in a fasted lifestyle, we have to remember that we're not earning righteousness. And when we cast judgment, we have to do it from a place of love. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, when we take communion together, um, Paul... Uh, admonishes the Corinthians to take communion. When we take communion, you guys remember when we, when we read chapter 11, um, we all, at the end of that passage, Paul says, judge yourself. Judge yourself that you may not be judged. Okay. Judge yourself. And so this is, the, this is that first step in removing the plank from our own eye in order to be able to love others and see clearly to remove the specks in our brothers and sisters. And this is love. All right. Um, for this is love, sorry, go, go back to the other one. For this is love, love others as yourself. Love God, love others. Forgive as you wish to be forgiven. We, we pray the Lord's Prayer just earlier in, in chapter 6. And the Lord's, in the Lord's Prayer, what does it say? Forgive us as we forgive those uh, who have trespassed against us. All right. So um, we want to, to do as we want done towards us. Right. To measure, to receive and measure the same way that we measure out. Judge as you wish to be judged. Um, correct as you wish to be corrected. So we don't really wish, nobody enjoys or loves being corrected. All right? it's, uh, it's oftentimes very hard right, to be rebuked or have somebody call out things that are wrong in our lives, but we still want them to do it, right? Um, I think of a funny example, you know, I'm sure all this has happened to everybody. You walk out of the bathroom, you have a little bit of toilet paper on your, on your shoe, right? Like you want people to tell you if something's going on, right? And then start walking around the rest of the day with this. You want people to identify. It might be embarrassing in that moment, but you want people to call out things that are going on in your life uh, if, there, if there's something wrong, all right? But we want it to be done, we want to receive that, we want it to be done gently, right, and in love. And so that's the same way that we should, we should walk. So Jesus is telling us to judge, with, not to not judge at all, but to judge with the right process, to judge with the right information, and to judge with the right heart. And that right heart would be in love. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, Paul exhorts the Ephesians to speak the truth in love. I think that's a perfect way to summarize the right way to judge, speaking the truth in love. All right. 
And then how do we do that? What's the right way to do that? What does that look like in love? You know, I think we see a lot of correction and um, public correction is not the first way. Like if I see somebody doing something sinful, it's like, man, I'm gonna announce it right here on the podium first without even telling them, you know, like I'm gonna announce it right here that, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, RJ is, is, is beating puppies in, in, in the back, you know, it's like, <laughs> This is not the right place to do it, right? This is not the first place to do it, all right? This is not the right, um, that's not the right heart. That's not loving, right? That's just like an announcement, and that's like, oh, I'm better because I'm not beating puppies, you know? If I truly loved RJ, I would go to him first, right? You would go to him first, and you would speak it gently in love. And that's just what Jesus calls later on in, in Matthew 18, correcting in private. So in Matthew 18, chapter 18, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. And Jesus gives us two steps right there. First of all, go and tell them. Go and tell them what, what that was wrong. I think sometimes that's actually pretty hard for us. Like, oftentimes, you know, sometimes I'm surprised. Like, somebody will tell me something that, like, I did wrong against them. Like, 10 years ago. It was like, hey, like, why didn't you tell me back then? You've been holding on to it for, like, 10 years. Like, let, like if it's love... You want to go and tell them, right? Because they don't know unless you tell them. And that's that same thing. You don't want to leave that speck in your brother's eye. You've got to go and tell them if you love them, right? But you also have to arrange your own heart and remove the plank from your own. So that's how, why it's so important to judge ourselves in order for us to be able to walk out that love for our brothers and sisters as well. So number one, go and tell them. Don't hold on to it. And number two, um, he says, go and tell, do it alone. Do it alone first. And other parts of, of, um, of Matthew, uh, Jesus also lays out, like, go, and if he doesn't hear you alone, take another brother with you, all right? Just one other. That's love. And if they truly don't re repent, then you bring it before, before a congregation. But you see that process where, where there's a loving and gentle process, just like that 1 Corinthians um, chapter about what is love. It's gentle, and it's kind, and it's patient. And so that's the, the, the rubric from which we should judge um, others or judge sin in, in our brothers and sisters. Because we want to be able to do that, right? We want to be able to do that. Because that's the very element of community. That's the very element of why we gather as a, as a body together is because we need each other. We can't see that plank in our own eye. We can't. We can't. You know? That's why it's so hard to just, you know, sometimes you always... Uh, you know, I've got a buddy who just is like, ah, I'm, I'm okay, you know, I'm just at home watching messages and I'm getting everything that I need, you know, um, but I'm not part of a church, I'm not, I'm not you know, in, in community with anybody. And that's great, listening to messages is good, but if you're not around others, how can you have somebody keep you accountable? How can you love and practice if you don't have that level of accountability with somebody or being around somebody to do that or letting people, trusting people to pull that speck out of our eye? All right. um, <clears throat> Psalm 19 is, is one of my favorite psalms. It's a beautiful psalm about, um, about the Lord and his creation. I didn't put it up on a slide here, but I'm just going to read the ending of it here real quick. Um, so in Psalm 19, chapter 19, starting in verse 12, 12 through 14. Actually, who's got it? Daniel, you have it? Not yet. RJ, you got it? Can you read it out loud for us, RJ? Um, verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, then I will be blameless. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, RJ. 
So, so yeah, so David here in the psalm speaks, speaks such a truth here. It's such an important truth for us to grasp is in verse 12, who can understand his errors? You know, who can understand it? We, we can't. You know, we can't. And secret faults, cleanse me from secret faults. These faults that I don't even know about, God, cleanse me. And he's given us the vehicle to cleanse that, which is the body of believers, like brothers and sisters, to call out and identify that sin in our lives, and the Holy Spirit to identify sin in our lives that we don't even know about, these unknown sins. So we should want, it is love to do that, and we want to be able to have it to do that. Um, So, you know, in in kind of closing there in in Psalm 19, you know, if we love uh, our brothers and sisters, then we want to, number one, have the planks removed from our own eyes, to judge ourselves, to live righteously, to, to hunger after righteousness, and to, but to also be in a place where we can love others by calling out their sin in love, love and humility, love and humility. Uh-huh. And so that's where, what Jesus is calling us to here, to speak the truth in love. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, as, as we kind of go over this, uh, went over this, this passage here, um, and as we kind of kind of close um, after talking about this way of judging in right truth and love, um, I first wanted to take some time to, to let the Holy Spirit kind of convict us of that. And so, uh, Jeff, you can kind of come up. But that, remembering that first step, you know, I hope that we could take some time to pray here and actually let the Holy Spirit identify sin in our own lives. Um, you know, again, as we read from Psalm 19, it's so hard. It's so hard to know what sin is in our lives, right, unless it's identified by somebody else. We can't see the plank in our own eyes. Um, but only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to us, and only others can call that out of us. And so um, let's just take some time here to let the, Holy, let the Holy Spirit identify that in our own lives, because we want to get to a place where we have clear eyes in order to help our brothers and sisters remove specks in their own. So as my sister plays here, um, let's just take a moment and, and close our eyes and um, just let the Holy Spirit identify that. Give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to identify planks in our own eyes. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just say that we recognize our own blindness. We recognize our own inability to identify secret sin in our lives. We are so blind. It's so easy to see the specks in others' eyes, but it's so hard to see even a giant log in our own. So Holy Spirit, I pray even just in the next minute or two that you begin to speak in our hearts What have we compromised? What have we left unidentified? Would you cleanse us? Even as Paul says, or even as David says in Psalm 19, cleanse us. Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep us back from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. We want to be blameless. We want to be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of the heart be acceptable in your sight. We ask you, even right now, Holy Spirit, would you identify sin? We give you permission to root it out in our hearts. Even as you pray, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about areas that he wants to change, sin in our lives. We want to be those who mourn in order to be comforted. We want to be those who have poverty of spirit to know our need. We want to be like that tax collector, Jesus, who beats his chest and says, I am a sinner. I'll stand on my own righteousness. So Lord, would you help us to do it?